You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. Brown comes to town, all the brothers gather round, cause she can really shake them down. Pam Greer, that one chick hit squad who creamed you as coffee, is back to do a job on the mob as Foxy Brown. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Hello, you're listening to Girls Guts Giallo. I'm Annie Rose Malamet, and today I'm joined by my friend Kat. We're going to be talking about 1974 film Foxy Brown. So excited to finally talk about this movie. Uh, Kat, thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. Do you want to tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you're about? Um, I don't even know how to describe myself, but I guess I'm Kat on Instagram. I say I'm a self-proclaimed teacher bae, um, but I'm also a writer. I don't want the teacher in me to overshadow that, um, but I'm happy to be here. I am definitely a black exploitation fan and an overall horror, like anything where women are being badasses, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, same. Where did when did we first meet, Kat? Did we met on OkCupid, okay right? It was Tinder. I remember. Are like, you <laughs> sure? I feel like it was OkCupid. Okay I feel like Tinder wasn't around yet. Oh, I swear it was Tinder, and I just remember like following you on Tumblr after that, and then just like realizing how like awesome you are oh, and like fangirling. You're so nice. <laughs> you're always. Kat is the most supportive friend. They're always like. Even when I don't see them for a while, they're always like texting me and checking in on me, and I just love that. I I think it was OK Cupid that okay. we met because I remember your profile. I remember your OK Cupid profile. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was back when OK Cupid was like cool. Now OK yeah. Cupid is terrible, but because Tinder like ruined dating apps, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I I've met a lot of queer friends off of OK Cupid actually. Like, yeah. we ended up just being friends for years and years. Um, when did you first see Foxy Brown? Um, it was recently. So my mom was someone who policed everything that I watched. Um, but I think I saw Foxy Brown maybe a year or two ago. Um, but I found out about Pam Greer surprisingly from the L word which I feel ashamed as a black person because she's such an icon of like black beauty and black womanhood but it's just like the L word I saw her and I was like wow this woman's like really hot but she's not a lesbian <laughs> which is the greatest crime one of the greatest crimes of the L word honestly like really did not utilize the greatness of Pam Greer at all to her full potential yeah, I always feel like her dating story was limited. Um, do you remember the character that she was dating, the trans man? Who Ivan? They, they fucked up Ivan's whole character. They really did. But, like, I wanted them to be together for the rest of the series. Yeah, me too. I think that would have been 
needed and a storyline that really should have been explored. I saw this movie in high school. Uh, like I see a lot of the movies I talk about the, on this podcast. I saw it uh, late night television. I think it was the IFC channel, I want to <laughs> say, or like flicks or something like some indie uh, film channel. And I was, I think, the only person I knew who had seen it. And I just loved it. Like, I was like, first of all, I was so attracted to her. Like, I I mean, who? I, it's Pam Greer. I was just, I'd never heard of her before. I was just, like, captivated by her. And then I, one of my favorite horror movies, Urban Legend, have you seen that one? Yes, I have. There's a security guard character in it who's watching coffee and foxy brown (laughs) and she's like imitating the moves (laughs) in it and that was another that linked that film for me so i had seen that before i saw those movies and then i understood those scenes more um but yeah this i thought it was great and then what did you think when you first saw it like did you love it did you feel like it was problematic like what did you feel about it um I think because I saw it after studying film in college and learning like I don't watch a movie now without analyzing it yeah unfortunately but I mean first I was obsessed with the fashion and (laughs) I could see why this movie has still such a lingering cultural effect um but the rape scene I'm sorry to jump ahead stuck with me the most and mm. I fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's okay to put that at the top of the show cuz you know, people should know that we're talking about a lot of really complicated things yeah. in this movie. Like it is it's an exploitation movie and then underneath that the the subcategory is black exploitation and uh the, those movies explore a lot of really upsetting themes. So this movie is from 1974. It's one of the most famous black exploitation movies. Um, it was written and directed by Jack Hill, a white man, starring Pam Greer. So probably a lot of the people who listen to this podcast already are familiar with black exploitation, but because it's the first black exploitation movie that we've talked about on the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about what black exploitation is. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you define the genre? Um, I mean, it's, I don't, I was thinking a lot about this um, before I came and I think of black exploitation just as a period in the 70s where they were trying to target black audiences, but they had a very low budget. And I think it was a time that black actors and actresses had different roles, but I think it got labeled black exploitation because a lot of black folks probably felt that they were just focusing on the stereotypes as a, at the time, like pimps, prostitutes, heroin was like ravaging communities, mm-hmm. like all these things. So I felt like, yeah, this is more representation and more this, but not what we exactly wanted, which is why it has that black exploitation label, right. I think. Yeah. Um, so it's a subgenre, like like we said, of exploitation film that emerged during the early 1970s. 
The genre's films are often really bold and controversial in their statements, and they utilize violence, sex, drug trade, and other shocking elements to provoke the audience. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge element of any exploitation film is that it is deliberately provoking the viewer to react a certain way to these shocking things. The films usually portray black protagonists as overcoming these emblems of white supremacy that have oppressed the black community in the preceding decades. So that's a huge theme in black exploitation films and in black exploitation films that are set in quote unquote urban environments are usually about um, prostitution, uh, drug use. Um, and then when they're set in the South, they're usually about uh, segregation and miscegenation uh, and have more elements of like the stereotypical backwoods white racist in them. And then in movies like Foxy Brown, which are set in cities, the white villains are more um, almost more like insidious and um, controlling the the movements of the community, which is not unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, the films were popular, but they suffered a lot of backlash uh, because of the stereotypical characters showing bad or questionable motives. Um, but the genre is one of the first in the U.S. in which black characters and communities are heroes right. and the subjects of the film. So it has black exploitation has a really complicated legacy because of that. Um, but it's so important because, uh, God rest his soul, John Singleton, I feel like, wouldn't have been able to make such great movies that he did without black exploitation. And I think we kind of even see that today, like, when we have movies, I remember one time on Netflix, like very early when they started the streaming, they used to have like a lot of black films on there. And they were these cold black entertainment films, which were like all black cast, like black actresses that we don't see that much. I think they even had with Gabrielle Union. You know, even still, we kind of shun those movies because they're not mainstream, they're low budget, which is similar to like how black exploitation was. And mm. like, I'm kind of afraid that the legacy will get lost and like we will no longer remember these movies 20 years from now. <laughs> so I hope like someone out there is preserving all of this so yeah. it doesn't get lost because as you can just see like, yeah, we have black folks on TV and movies, but not like this. And I think that's why a lot of people did like it back in the 70s because the poor black people that were in the hood struggling were on the screen. Like, I'm going to want to go see that because that's a little bit more relatable than seeing Sidney Poitier with another going to dinner, whatever the fuck that movie was called. Like, nobody wants to see that shit because it's not, it's not exciting, you know? That is a really, really good point. And the comparison that you draw between... Um, black films that are low budget that get really dismissed as like just these kind of like low budget fare that are yeah. you know not like high art like Moonlight <laughs> you know like that's they get really dismissed but in reality like they're amazing because they don't cater to any kind of white gaze right. and a lot of the, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make fun of Moonlight. I think it's a great movie. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> I just think that a lot of the times the, the quote unquote black films that are allowed to be popular 
are popular because they cater to this almost kind of trauma porn that uh, that white people need to feel like, oh, this is so heart wrenching, sad. <laughs> you know, like when I, like I remember when Moonlight came out and I was teaching, and some one of the things I ask my students is. What is the last movie you saw? And like every white person in the room was like, Moonlight. Oh my God, it was so moving. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I get it. Like, it is moving. Like, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But it annoys me that the, only until really recently have films that are not specifically just about black pain have been able to gain like popularity. And I guess that's kind of why, like, I have a soft spot for black exploitation because I feel like the characters are heroes and they're also dealing with complicated things that are real issues. I think that's why I like it so much, too, because I love anything that showcases what I feel like is my lived experience or something I can relate to. And... I, I don't know what they're called, but I like hood movies, right? So there's a movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called Belly, and it's directed by Little X, who used to do music videos. Yeah, I have. I, I know of Belly, but I haven't seen it. It is one of the best, from cinematography to the story, I think it's one of the best movies, and I feel like, how the fuck does he not have any type of like credentials, awards for this? And like we were saying, it gets overlooked, but I... I think that's why it's easy for me to go back and watch these movies from the 70s, especially Foxy Brown, and just seeing a badass woman. I can only imagine, like, what that meant for women back then who were in the black power movement. There's a lot of misogyny. You know what I mean? Like, what that meant to them to even see that on the screen. Yeah, that's (laughs) cannot be overlooked. Like, that's amazing. And she also um, is this like really you know she's gorgeous and like she's portrayed as this amazing heroine and you know there are problematic elements of her portrayal which we'll talk about when we get into the plot um but yeah at the time like some writers and activists felt that the black exploitation trend was um really amazing part of black empowerment um but others accused the movies of perpetuating white stereotypes about black people And uh, as a result, many activists called for the end of the genre and the uh, NAACP's condemnation of it actually brought about the end of black exploitation. Um, And to me, I mean, I can only speak to this so much as a white woman, but it feels like it reeks of respectability politics to me. Absolutely. I mean, the NAACP is respectable Negroes, a lot of it. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it can't be ignored, the legacy that they've had and, you know, all the work that they've done over the years. But, I mean, even throughout the, like, movements of civil rights, black empowerment, even before Martin Luther King, there's always kind of been people who were all about like a very like assimilating I would even say you know wanting to have access to the same things as white folks and you know emulate the way they lived and then you had people who were like dirt poor and they're like no we just want to survive like yeah we want rights but we don't necessarily want to emulate what they have I mean (laughs) so I, I I get it and I can see it I mean because She's still very sexualized in the movie. And in most, 
black exploitation films, women necessarily weren't always the central character. Um, and they're still prostitutes and not necessarily a heroine per se that you would kind of want to see. Mm. So it's like, okay, we go for maids and now we have to do this and like her breasts are exposed. I, I can see why. Totally. yeah. But I think even like now today, like we shame women who rap about their pussies and scamming niggas and all that stuff. But the reality is black women's bodies and sexualities have been controlled since we were brought here. So any time that a woman can express herself sexually or even show her body because she wants to or empowers her, I feel like that's a bad bitch. That's a good moment to celebrate. But not everyone has that perspective. And I, I, I can see why. It's just too many layers. There's <laughs> a lot it. of layers, yeah. I mean, it's also like when, and I don't know if you listen to the podcast, The Read. Oh, yes. But the, this week's episode, <laughs> they were talking about this and they were... Um, Chriselle and Kid Fury and they were saying like but when black women rap about things other than sex nobody fucking pays attention to them so you you damned if you do and you damned if you don't right and it's sort of like the same in in film and only really recently have black actresses been able to play complex well-rounded people i mean even like um like john singleton and spike lee they still are coming from this male perspective yeah and it's um or, or like what their idea of what a black woman should be i mean even like like spike lee is notorious for that <laughs> My favorite is School Days. And I even remember watching that and feeling like the women were kind of sold short. And I feel like everything will be centered around the men. So it doesn't surprise me, but I feel like women still have, like, Daughters of the Dust is directed mm -hmm. by a black woman, all black. And it's one of, it's a long movie, but it's the fucking best. Oh, and it's the amazing. Plot line, the yeah. cinematography. And Julie Dash did not get her credit until years after. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that movie was super overlooked. Or Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou, which is like one of my favorite, all time favorite movies. So, good. so underrated. And well, that's this is why it's so important to have black women telling their own stories, because Absolutely. like uh, Foxy Brown is amazing for what it is. But like at the end of the day, it's still written by a white man and can only really go so, so far. far. Uh, it was um, not prosecuted for obscenity, but the film was seized and confiscated in the UK under Section 3 of uh, the Obscene Publications Act, which I've talked about on this show before. Oh, really? Yeah, as part of the Video Nasty Panic. <laughs> um, and the Video Nasty Panic, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in the uh, 70s in the UK, 60s and 70s, a lot of films were seized and charged with obscenity. But it seems so European to have nudity oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, sex in films. <laughs> no, that's actually a really good point. Like, that's, you know, a part of me has to believe that there are racist motivations behind this because Absolutely. what... Like, Alice, Sweet Alice, which is another movie I talked about on this podcast, was also seized in the video Nasty Panic, and that was seized because of the violence in it. Mm -hmm. Which, which I, really wasn't that... I actually really, really liked it. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's... But, yeah, this, I'm like, 
it's the combination of the violence and like racism. Yeah, uh, it just has to be. But uh, there's a book called Women in Black Exploitation uh, by uh, Yvonne D. Sims, uh, and she said it was heavily. The movie was heavily criticized. Uh, for its disturbing portrayal of black womanhood, but also for its controversial stereotypes about violence and drug abuse in black culture. Uh, In a time when black Americans were making progress politically, socially, and culturally, Foxy Brown contradicted uh, the movement's image of what a heroine should be. And uh, again, like we've talked about Mm. respectability politics, um, and it's criticized because because even though she's a heroine, her role is as this vengeful black woman who is willing to pose as a sex worker and expose herself throughout the film, which goes against some of the characteristics people would expect in a heroine. Um, and also because it people felt that it played into the stereotype of the over-sexualized, objected, objectified black woman. And... Um, yeah, I mean, people. It, some people loved it, some people hated it. But you were saying you watched interviews with Pam Greer. Yes, and I feel like that's just really important that context. Yeah, no, I mean, because I agree in a little bit with some of the things that she's saying. Um, but I think at first I had read something where Pam says she doesn't regret doing Foxy Brown, and I think what's important for people to know is. Um, she had, I think, a three-part movie deal. The first one was Coffee. Um, Foxy Brown is supposed to be a sequel to Coffee, and then there was Sheba Baby. Um, Coffee is inspired by her mom, who is also a nurse. And Coffee is just a great movie. It really is. Um, <laughs> and then Foxy Brown was inspired by her aunt, who was a feminist. Um, she wrote Harley. She shot guns. Like, she was just an all-around badass. Obsessed. So, like, you know, and even she said, like, growing up, like, the way their grandfather raised them was women shoot guns, women do this. Like, she was raised to understand that she was equal to men. And Pam Greer was an avid feminist. So I think that needs to be taken into account because she did have say in this movie. Um, And she even said that the director was like, you know, let's go into the community. Let's talk to the people. Let's get their input. So she kind of had some creative control. So it's not just like this. In a lot of black exploitation films, black folks were writing them, like you said earlier, and we had input. It wasn't just white people making this shit up and we just show up to the set. No, like, it was just, they were the money behind it. They were the producers, but they weren't necessarily the creators, is what I would say. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of um, activists at the time, a lot of black activists at the time, felt like black exploitation was really important and that it could be used to incite change. So I don't want to undercut that either. Like, there's, just like with everything else throughout yeah. history, there's going to be people that feel one way about something and you know, feel another, you know, another way, just like right now. Um, and because Pam Greer had become a star in coffee, <laughs> uh, the they really wanted her to be even more stylish than the previous mm-hmm. film. So the 14 costumes in the movie were designed by a California costumer named Ruthie West, who was also the stylist for the Jackson 5, oh among no others. No wonder yes. she was so fucking fly. Oh, yeah. I know. The, the <laughs> costumes are... 
everything. And Jack Hill felt that the costumes would situate the film too much in a specific time and place, mm. but they've become iconic. Yeah. So he was wrong. And he's even said he was wrong. <laughs> um, so now that we've talked about the context of the film, let's talk about the plot. Right. So probably the best opening of any movie of all time. Uh, Pam Greer just like dancing in front of psychedelic colors while that iconic song Song. plays (laughs) the Foxy Brown theme and the movie opens with a a black man Anthony Fargus the the actor being followed by a car by being followed by a group of white men and he there's an interesting moment where he goes to order, I believe it's tacos. And coffee. And coffee. <laughs> Not a great combo. No. <laughs> um, and there are these this group of white police officers pull up. And there's like this tension where he's scared of the people that are following him and he's scared of the police officers. Yes. And immediately this film is going there with those subtleties and his he's actually he's a great actor like I think he's really good in this movie and the way that he portrays that is so real um but he's uh he's scared of these people that are following him he tries to get the cops to stay he calls Foxy right Pam Greer he's in bed She's pissed off that he's calling her. And um, he says he's in trouble and that he's about to get beat up. And we find out that they're their brother and sister. And uh, she gets up to, save, to him. save him, of course. Typical. And I like <laughs> that was my first thought when I was watching this movie. It's like, of course, you're going to call your sister. If it ain't your mama, you calling the next black woman to come save your black ass. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, she's like pissed off at him, but she's like, of course she's gonna go do right. it because she's fucking Foxy Brown. Yes, and this is the first time we see this kind of like objectifying shot of her right. breasts, which are you know, famous. <laughs> um, and I was telling you before, like I won't call out the podcast by name, but I was listening to this podcast where these <laughs> men were talking about it, and I was so disgusted by the way that they were talking about this movie. Um. I'm always torn with movies like this because, like, being gay, I'm, like, on the one hand, like, I love boobs. <laughs> and <laughs> so I appreciate it. But on the other hand, I'm, like, this fucking pig director. Like, it's you always have that, like, push and pull when you're a queer woman um, or an, any queer person that is into women. <laughs> um, and, okay, so she... Uh, Pam rescues her brother in this amazing red car. Yes. And she's got some amazing outfits on already. Uh, We find out that this guy's name, her brother's name is Link. And he explains that he has been caught up with these uh, drug dealers, basically. Mm -hmm. These loan sharks who are coming after him because he owes them money. And she's really upset and, you know, Foxy is saying, like, you need to get out of this entire situation. Um, He taunts Foxy about her boyfriend. Yes. Who everybody thinks is missing, Mm -hmm. who everybody thinks is dead. We found out he's an informant. Um, Not just an informant. He's actually a detective. And we don't know what's up with him yet. But. Uh, Link has this really interesting line that I wanted to quote 
because she, you know, she's trying to get him to get out of drugs yes, and everything. Yes. I and was hoping you remembered this because I knew I wasn't going to. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote it down. And he says, I'm a black man and I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to dance. And I don't know how to preach to a congregation. I'm too small to be a football hero. And I'm too ugly to be elected mayor. <laughs> and I was, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And I was really struck at at this part by how moved I was by this scene mm-hmm. and how real that is. Like, she wants him to get out of the life, but he's talking about the reasons why he can't. Right. And I, I was, when I saw that line again, I... I I had to pause it because in my mind, like, what he's saying is real. And I like that he's addressing it. But also, I couldn't help but feel like Foxy, even though she's this all-around badass, right? We haven't even seen the badass out of her yet. But she's rescuing her brother, which black women have always had to rescue everybody, right? So to me, I feel like she was still kind of in that caretaker kind of role. And it's like, of course, you're going to put the black woman, tell him the black man what he got to do and how to be better. And it's just like her brother is, well, I can't do this. I can't. So he's selling drugs. To survive, which is very common and still a realistic thing even as today, but it kind of puts Foxy in this light as the castrating black woman kind of great point telling him what to do which was also something that was being discussed in the black power movement. You know, I think we forget that too, that kind of black men were at the forefront of that and they were kind of, black women were still being told to be put in their place. And, like, your role is to support us kind of thing. But I think it gets explored a little bit more through the rest of the movie. But I can't help but feeling that black men have these dimensional roles. And kind of sometimes Foxy is just, like, very one-dimensional. Maternalism. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, definitely this nurturing figure to the black men in her life. And um, it's a moving line, but it's also annoying because it's like, (laughs) well, okay, that's all well and good, but like you're still relying on your sister for everything. Right. So what about her? (laughs) Um, You're like getting her caught up with your bullshit, which is obnoxious at the least. Um, So he's talking about how he has all this ambition. She wants him to get a regular job and he's talking about how he has all this ambition and um, he says, now you tell me what I'm supposed to do with all this ambition I got because he wants to make big money. He doesn't want to just make peanuts. <laughs> and the meanwhile, the white loan sharks, the white drug pushers, are um, meeting up and they're pissed that Foxy thwarted them. <laughs> you know, one thing I got to say that I do like always love and appreciate about black exploitation movies is like how they do not shy away from showing how evil white people can be. It's and, the best part of it. Yeah. And that's honestly why I think that's part of why I feel like these movies are really important. Yes. Because you still don't, a lot of movies still don't go there right. with that. And like they go there in this movie, like fully. Um, then you see that the the person who's really in charge of these white guys is Miss Catherine. And uh, so it's a white woman in charge of everything. And I was like, this is some fucking real shit. Like white, <laughs> yes, white yes. feminism at work yet again. <laughs> like it's like girl boss culture. Like you 
are I just thought that was so smart that she's the head of this organization in the movie because she's evil. She's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to this kind of like faux women's empowerment that only uplifts white women because really she's exploiting other women. Oh my, I'm so glad you said that because like when I was watching it, I'm like thinking like, I wonder why they made this deliberate choice and because she's the opposite of Foxy. She's really unattractive. Yes. You know. Flat-chested. And, then, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and like, you know, she's this evil boss. She has like really, not, there's nothing about, she's very mediocre at best. She just has a lot of power and money, which is, Everything like you're saying. And I just, in my mind, I'm like, of course, it's some white bitch at the head of this shit. Like, just like you were saying. And then she has her man there. Who is like a pussy. Yes. And like can't stun. I know I shouldn't say that. I know that that's like gendered and I shouldn't equate. But whatever. Mm. I, You know what? That's how I talk. We're yeah. from New York. <laughs> Fuck off. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and, um, okay. So... Girl boss culture all around. That's so funny, girl yeah. boss culture. It's fuck, like, I hate that fucking term. I I'm sorry. fucking <laughs> hate it. Like, get the fuck away from me. Like, if anybody refers to themselves as a girl boss, like, I'm staying away from them. <laughs> um, do you follow, um, they're actually going to be on the show, I'm really excited, but do you follow Black Power Bottom Text on, oh my God, no. on Instagram? They're hilarious, like, and also incredibly genius, and every, uh, they just make memes, and they had this really... Really, really funny meme that was like a picture of ISIS and it said what if in like pink font it said what if ISIS had a girl boss <laughs> like, that would be even worse yeah and, but that's like how white feminists sound yeah. like oh but those women of this horrible company is a, is a the, the CEO of this awful company is a woman though it's like great yeah Okay. Are you surprised? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's not feminism, bitch. Um, anyway, Foxy visits her boyfriend in the hospital, goes down on him in the hospital. Iconic. Like I understand how this is could be objectifying, but it's also like, yeah, I I would do that. So but, okay, I don't know if you picked up on this, but this is like right after the scene that the ugly bitch Miss Catherine is kissing her man. <laughs> kind of attractive but it's like oh fully like he's <laughs> he's hotter than Miss Catherine yeah. yeah and they have like this boring ass kiss and then you see Fox you got the sexual funk music in the background yes you're right and it's just like at first I'm like so what you just think black people naturally good at sex bitch what you think that's what we do but it's like looking at it again you're kind of like wow this is a very nice sex scene like that's her man like she She's loved him love. you know yeah. it's very nice but the way it just goes right into it right after the white people like having a boring ass situation it's very funny to me it is really funny and I was like wow this is this is really interesting. It's funny. Like, you know, I talk about this a lot. Like, things things are complicated. Yeah. And things are usually both. Like, it is funny and great. And it is also problematic. Right. Like, it's both at the same time. Um, but in this scene, they don't show her breast. Which kind of makes it a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, the they start fooling around and they get interrupted. This the, this nurse slaps his boner, uh, and then starts singing like gospel. Yeah, as she, she she's very much like a mammy figure, yes. and like I always have to bristle and be on alert when I see an, a mammy archetype in movies because yeah. it's really like regressive, and you know she's kind of 
she's fat and dark skinned and like in direct, you know, contrast to Foxy, who is like which was slender. it had to be a deliberate choice Absolutely. because I mean look at movies like Medea, the exactly. Clumps, like yes, definitely supposed to be a joke, but it's really not funny exactly except for when she slaps his. It's dick. funny when she slaps his dick, but yeah, it's <laughs> but it, it's got a lot of it's culturally very loaded. Um, so he, her boyfriend gets his he's got all these bandages all over his face mm-hmm. and he's getting them off the, this day and we find out that he's had facial reconstruction surgery so he's had to change his identity because um, like we said he's a detective and um, people are after him so now he's changed his name from Dalton Ford to Michael Anderson <laughs> and <laughs> it's just such an absurd plot but, <laughs> but it's so good it's so good so they're out of the hospital Walking around, and they witness a uh, a street fight. Oh, I love this! I scene. love this part too. And they meet Oscar, who is uh, part of this. He's he's just apprehended this drug dealer, and he's part of this the this organization called the Anti Slavery Committee, mm-hmm. which is committed to abolishing the new slavery, which yes. is drug addiction. And this really speaks to the uh, involvement of. Uh, black power movements in black exploitation films and how that that was being explored in the movies, uh, and he's one of he's one of the heroes of the movie Oscar, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really come into play until later. But so then we see uh, Link. He's calling his white girlfriend. Wait, wait, wait. We have to go back to okay, yeah. Oscar. Yes, I'm let's sorry, go back. Because I just blanked. But um, the one thing I loved about that scene is you have the narc, Michael Anderson, right? Yes. And then you have Oscar. And yes. like you have them like giving each other a pound. And like the one thing I like about the, them acknowledging the new slavery is we often forget that heroin was brought into our community. Yes. And like it devastated us. So it was nice to see that there was an example of black people having control over their own communities. And like you were saying, you definitely do see the link of the black power movement and um, black exploitation. And I think it's ironic because when they jumped to link, I had this thought of like, look at them showing the different types of blackness. <laughs> like you have the respectable detective who wants to do it the the legal way. Mm. Then you have Oscar, who's the radical who believes in empowering the people to control themselves. And then you have Link, who is just trying to get by, but is also bringing pain. He's with I feel like Link and the other pushers or drug dealers are painted as the problem. Mm. And I don't necessarily think of drug dealers and stuff as the problem. I just think of them also as victims of them of their circumstances. But sometimes I feel like people get complacent and you just do what you know. And I feel like that's what Link represents in the, in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And they're each, all three of those, that was such a great observation and all three of those men are kind of they're an archetype like you were saying and they all make foxy's life kind of difficult in different ways mm-hmm. like even oscar like towards the end of the film um and that's really whether that was intentional or not i don't know but it's very profound yeah. and it's also profound that link is calling this white girl like he goes to his sister when he wants everything fixed, but then when he wants to go back to drug dealing and mm-hmm. like tossing and flossing, <laughs> like he's calls up this white girl, 
And I just thought that was so important that they made that decision in the movie. Um, so he he calls his girlfriend and uh, he's telling her that he suspects that Michael is Dalton Ford. And he's plotting to turn him in to these drug dealers. So they'll, they'll get off his case mm-hmm. and reward him. So... And also Foxy and Michael have sex during all of this. Oh, yeah, that's right, because Link meets Michael Anderson. Yes. And he's giving him, like, this weird shady look, remember? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, uh, you look like my sister's boyfriend. Yeah. And, like, his white girlfriend is just nonchalant the whole fucking she is time. Like, she's like, yeah. She's like a nothing yeah. person. She's like on heroin. She's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she has no personality no. in this movie. Um, so he calls Miss Catherine to turn in Dalton Ford because they want him dead. But how shitty, how how shitty to like your sister fucking say, like how typical of a low down motherfucker, like you call your sister to help, but then to save your own ass after she fucking saved you, you're going to like turn your like back on her. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) That's like, it's, I mean, it's like. Um, So Dalton gets shot by these the the drug pushers and uh, he dies in Foxy's arms. It's really sad. And we cut we see Link cutting cocaine with his girlfriend and Foxy (laughs) bursts in with a gun. With that amazing outfit with it, the fucking scarf. Yes. Oh, it's so good. so good. And demands to know who killed Dalton. And he tells her Catherine Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she runs a stable of call girls, elite call girls. <laughs> and that's how she keeps the operation going. Because uh, when her men, when her drug dealers get in trouble, she sends these call girls to have sex with these influential men right. to keep them out of jail. Uh, so the also the best, she doesn't kill Link, which like which I, pisses I me would. off. Yeah. Like, and but she said that she's like, you better be thankful that you're my brother. Uh-uh. I know. But she shoots him in the ear. She so shoots him in the ear. A little she pain. wrecks his apartment. Yeah. And uh, tells him to get out of town. Which and does he do? Of course not. Of course not. And she leaves. And then his girlfriend is like, who was that? <laughs> and he's like, that's my sister, baby. And she's a whole, a whole lot, lot of, of women. Oh, that is my fate. Like, it, coming out of his mouth. I just love that actor's voice, by yeah. the way. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah. But I love that line because it's like, she is, he's acknowledging. Because I feel like the way he talks to her throughout the movie is very, like, Oh, baby, and honey, and then it's like, she's a whole lot after she done kicked your ass and then kill you like she should have. Yeah. You know, and I hated that part because I feel like, once again, that's the maternal part of her. Like, I can't kill my own brother. But he literally got your man killed. Like, what I know in the streets, you do some shit like that, you're going to fucking die, right? But no, it's like, no, it's my brother. I'm going to let him live. Yeah, and on, <laughs> on the one hand, it's like, she's it shows that she's the better person, and yes. on the other hand, it speaks to that maternalism that is really problematic that you were talking about. Um, so Foxy poses as Misty Cotton. 
I love that name. I, I love like it too. Yeah, she poses as Misty Cotton and goes to Catherine, and she's going to take down the operation from the inside, and she's going to pose as a call girl. Yeah. And oh, even just the name, like Misty Cotton, I feel like is so loaded too. I you I, it is. Yeah, it is. Like there's just so many details. I mean that whole film. transformation from Foxy to Misty, like the name, and then her hair is no longer an afro; it's straight. That's a great point because it's more attractive and more appealing to the white men who are going to be, you know, dealing with these women. And it's just like I noticed that transition from the way she dresses when she's herself to when she's posing as, mm, you know. Yeah, that's really significant. <clears throat> yeah, she has natural afro mm-hmm. and now she has on um straight wig. Straight wig, yeah. Um and she looks great in both. She but, really does. But yeah, she can do <laughs> no wrong in my eyes. Um so Foxy, so Catherine is like, oh, yeah, we have some room for your type. and yeah. <laughs> With that cigarette. Yeah, like. <laughs> I fucking hate her. And Foxy goes to Catherine's house in an iconic red jumpsuit. So beautiful. And Catherine's man is feeling her. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I love that we notice that because, first of all, not even when he notices Foxy. Before he even notices, well, sorry, before I think she even notices him noticing Foxy, she sees the girl, the white girl that she's talking to, give him a look. And then she starts berating all the oh, girls. Oh, yeah. She's like, you need he to lose five like, pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she is so insecure. Um, all the white dudes in there are drooling over Foxy. Mm-hmm. And she, I love this because she's like fucking with them. Yeah. Like she knows it that mm-hmm. they're looking at her and she changes in front of them on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- Catherine is pissed off. But she doesn't berate Foxy like she did she's the She's like kind of scared of her a little bit. Right. Like she knows not to fuck with her. Fuck with her. And yeah. she just goes, Oh, you're making this cotton feel so uncomfortable like <laughs> yeah i was like bitch you were just telling these other bitches about themselves and you're just like oh not with not with misty Mm-mm. yeah you're right that's a really <laughs> good point um so she sends foxy out with another black call girl named claudia to see a a client that she says has a preference for their type yeah uh, so he has, he's a white man who has a preference for black call girls. And the other woman wants Foxy, Claudia tells Foxy to stay away from uh, Elias, who is Catherine's man. Mm-hmm. And she explains how the call girl operation works and that if they fail, if they don't get the judge to overturn this sentence or to not throw the book at them they get sent to a shack in Haiti (laughs) and tortured by high paying clients basically like they get sent there to do men want all the things they can't do with quote unquote regular call girls I just found that really like scary I did too and I'm like so you send them to the Caribbean to get like you know it was just very weird and then like right after that Claudia's son is there her husband yes yeah so Claudia's son runs up yeah it's a really upsetting scene actually and Claudia's husband and her son they run up to her and he's like I'm going away I don't want to be part of this anymore 
and you never see your son and like I'm taking him away which is also like I didn't know how I felt about that scene because it's like uh, this is the only other black women we get to see yeah and she's a call girl and then it's like painting her in the light that she left her husband and her son to go live this life which is actually really fucking miserable and it's like you're trying to give her ultimatum when she's in a situation that she really can't escape from yeah i felt like it was sympathetic towards her the movie Mm -hmm. like while also being could kind of problematic like i felt that her husband was being really unfair to her it was just hard it's a hard it's a hard scene i feel like the only person who is sympathetic to her to claudia is foxy yes Definitely. Which, of course, black women supporting black women, trying well, to help yeah, them it's, out. It's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's kind of the the thing that surprises you about these movies is, like, how deep it is right. and how accurate they can be. Um, Foxy immediately cares about Claudia yeah. uh, more than anybody else around her, like even her husband. And it's, yeah, it, her husband gets beat up by the... Mr. Elias. By Mr. Elias. And... Uh, Claudia takes a bunch of downers to chill out, and Which while they're on their that way, was hard for me to watch too. It because was hard. It's, it's like addressing the, you know, the things of like how black women are treated, you know, because I feel like even earlier when we were talking about the the different archetypes of black men, right? The only other dimension we see of a black woman is, you know, a process. Well, call girl. Sorry. Yeah. Um, which yes, black women were. In that life, you know, it's, it's definitely a part of our experience, but it's like that's where people are probably like, okay, what about the other representations of us? You know what I'm yes. saying? And so then she's in the car and she probably has an addiction, right? She's taking downers to be able to do the job that she's been doing. Yes. You know, and that's, I think it could be very painful to watch, especially if that's something that is relatable to you. Especially, like, if you know people like that or you live that life yourself. So, I mean, it is, it's very hard to watch. And I think that's what you were saying. Like, they, these movies go deep. And I feel like it gets overshadowed because of how sexy Pam Greer is and how it was marketed. You know, these things could be overlooked. Mm. But it's very important to pay attention to it because it's, it's embedded in the message of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Claudia takes a bunch of pills, right, to chill, and Foxy suggests that they have a threesome with the judge, which, like, as a former sex worker, I don't know, it was just, it just like warmed my heart. I was like, <laughs> she like is looking out for her, yeah. like, she cares about what happens to this woman, and I mean, she has her own motives, right? But she is also, in a way, protecting her because if she's not alone with him. Foxy can control the situation. Absolutely. So they arrive at the house and one of the there's a bunch of old white guys there with call girls, all white call girls. <laughs> and Claudia and Foxy arrive and one of the guys says, Oh, I see your honor prefers dark meat, like referring to, yeah. to Foxy and Claudia. Um Again, like, this movie goes fucking deep. Like, these white men paying for sex, these powerful white men Mm -hmm. paying for sex. And um, 
how they objectify the white call girls and like how much more the black call girls are objectified by them. Like you see it in this scene even. So Foxy, uh, (laughs) this is so funny. They go into a room with him and they have him take off his clothes. Uh, It's so good though. I love this scene. It's so good. And Foxy, berates him and makes fun of his dick and talks about how small it is. And he's just like, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, it's so hilarious. And Claudia is like high as a kite. Yeah. So she's, but going along with yeah, it. Yeah, like going on. And she's just like <laughs> laughing. And he's like, he thinks it's like a game. I like, can play along. Isn't that what he says? Yeah, he's like, okay, you're unconventional, but yeah. I can play along. <laughs> But she gets him to take off his pants and then throws him out of the room, pantsless, with like a bunch of white church ladies who are walking down the hallway and they beat the shit out of him. With their purses yes. and umbrellas, yes. which is perfect. Yep. And this scene, the next scene is really, really upsetting because Claudia like completely breaks down. Yeah. And starts crying and says like, she's initially feels really happy that they've done what they but then she realizes the consequences Consequences. and she's like I'm never going to see my son again they're going to send us away and but then they do like this close up of Foxy's face and you can see like the sympathy in her Mm. face and like she's not really saying anything yet but you can tell the wheels are turning that she's thinking of like a plan yes and then that's when like she says to Claudia like you gotta get it together and it's gonna be fine like I, I can help you and it's like I love that because I feel like that's what feminism is. Feminism yes. is like really taking care of each other and helping each other, which we don't see a lot of because I think in this movie, Foxy is supposed to be, you know, this black woman who cares about the community and, you know, she's friends with the detective and the, the panther and this blah, 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 right? But like, never would you think she was going to help someone who's a sex worker, right? Yeah. Because that's that's beneath us. We don't we do not do no, that. No, she's, like, really like about that. it. She's she, really about community yeah. and protecting other black people. Yes, like, unconditionally. Yes. Um, so the the crew, the white evil crew, is, <laughs> that's, like, the only—they're, like, that's what they are. Um, they're pissed off because the judge threw the book at their people— so it was also interesting to me that sex work is the foundation of this operation. Like the exploitation of women is always at the foundation of everything. <laughs> um, they suspect that Foxy is behind this. And um, Foxy goes home to where Claudia is supposed to be staying at her house. Mm-hmm. But Claudia is out. Oh, I love this. It's so, so good. And she's at a dyke bar. I know. Oh, wait. Okay. So I have to bring this up. Do you remember in Coffee, there was like a scene where the white girlfriend is now with a black butch lesbian? Yes. And when Pam Greer like barges in and they start fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, is this a theme throughout all black exploitation? It's like, let's have all the minority groups in one. Well, you know, it's that's I would be interested to read more about it because yeah. there are there is a uh, history in black exploitation films of gay bars being yeah. used. It's not judgmental though. No, it's not. It's the the white dykes are definitely portrayed as like predators who are like 
eyeing Claudia. I, and I noticed that, and yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Is yeah. <laughs> but I kind of, like, I liked it, though, because I feel like it's very real. Yeah. It's very relatable because, while, yes, there were black women in the lesbian movement and all that shit, but it was still very separate because we didn't always see eye to eye on certain things, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, one of my favorite parts in that scene is, like, after Foxy, like, hits um, the white lesbian with the bar stool, the other one comes up and is like, hey, that's our friend. Uh-uh. Yeah. And then there's another lesbian, and she's like, hey, you know, back off. Like, these are our people. And then she pushes her and was like, mind your business. And that stood out to me because I couldn't tell if the other person was black, but... It, I think she was white. She, I, it was like, well, clearly she knows She them. knows Foxy so because Foxy like, lives near there. Right. So it's like trying to intervene, but this one's like, no. We're gonna we're gonna fight. We're gonna do, and it was just great. I love that scene. It was it's a really interesting and loaded scene. Yeah. And they they come on to Claudia, and then Foxy shows up to rescue Claudia, and is like, "You were supposed to go on a plane to Seattle with your right. husband," <laughs> and like comes and gets her, and the the white lesbians are, you know, being ridiculous, and <laughs> but they're also kind of in cahoots because the uh, the bartender is like, "We're supposed to keep her here," so yeah. they're like in cahoots with the drug dealers. So it's complicated and not untrue because the the mob controlled gay bars at this time. Oh, really? Yeah. So they were the ones who were keeping them from getting shut down by the police. I had no idea. Yeah. That's That's another way for them to funnel money into their organization. So... That's kind of shitty, though. Oh, it's awful. (laughs) Like, they were being used and you know, manipulated and had no protection or rights. Mm. So it's, but it's, it's accurate of the time. So it's a reflection of that, of, of some queer history that was going on then too. And a reflection of um, the fetishization that happens in the queer community of black femmes. And it, it's just a very interesting little time capsule scene Mm. that reflects a lot of what was actually going on. Mr. Elias and the goons uh, close <laughs> in on them and they capture Foxy and Claudia gets away. Yes. And but like again, sacrificing yourself yeah. for the betterment of someone else. That's what she does throughout the whole movie. She really is a good person because a bitch like me would be like, no, fuck this. Like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would be like, if you're getting out, I'm getting out. Yeah. Like, that's, there's no question. So they now know that she's Dalton's girlfriend mm-hmm. and that she's like plotting to take them down. And, uh, she says, you're going to have to kill me or I'll kill you. They, yeah, they take her to Catherine and Catherine says, give her a shot of heroin and send her to the ranch. Mm-hmm. So they're like shooting her up. This is when it starts to get pretty upsetting. Yeah. So Foxy, uh, they want to sell her. So Foxy wakes up sweaty in this horrible shack. With the hillbilly music. With the hillbilly music, <laughs> yep. And which is also another thing that was popular at the time, like backwoods exploitation films. Yeah. And then Deliverance came out of this era. So she tries to escape, but uh, this white man grabs her by the neck with a rope and ties her up. 
and it's I couldn't tell if it was a rope or a whip. Oh, I think it was a I whip. I think it You're was right. a whip. Yeah. And like that is where I had had enough the first time I watched it. I was like, are you fucking shitting me? Like I need to know whose idea that was. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it, you know, it's very out there. Yeah. And it's probably to make a point. And I think when I watched it the second time, I, I could see the point they were trying to make. But that's hard to watch well, as a black person. <laughs> I think it's it's purposely evoking yeah. slave imagery and lynching imagery. Ooh, and it, it was very triggering. I'm sorry. I may be that motherfucker. But, like, I was like, oh. I don't blame you. It's uh, really upsetting. Like, it's an upsetting scene. And it's... I don't know how I feel about it. Like, it's very powerful in one way, and then in another way, like, it's really exploitative and um, hard to watch. And they tie her to the bed. The other thing, too, is they're, like, demeaning her with racial slurs. Mm. And this is – I felt that this was actually really significant because up until this point, like, the white characters are evil – and they've said certain things here and there that right. are racist, but these guys are outright about it. And it's showing, though, that the two types are the same. Like, these guys who are open about their racism are in cahoots with the people who kind of pretend like they're not like that. Or right. not pretend that they're not like that because they don't really care about seeming any kind of way, but they are, like... More there's a class difference. Like they're they've they've got suits on. Like they're in these this big house, and these guys are like in this shack. And this these this scene aligns them. Yeah, it's showing that there's really no difference. There is no difference. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's subliminal or very out there in your yeah. face. It's all shitty. And I I I do agree. I think it is significant, and it is purposely evoking. But I just hate this fucking scene it's hard it's really hard (laughs) and i'm glad it doesn't last very long yeah and i'm glad that the rape scene all you're seeing really is his face well this is the other thing so they shoot her up with heroin Mm -hmm. and one of the creeps rapes her right and in this era like rape was explicitly shown and exploitative but in this movie it's not you don't actually see it happening it's implied which I prefer in this context. Um, And I felt that that was a significant choice. Like, they, the only time we see Foxy naked, really, is, like, when she's enjoying herself. Mm -hmm. And we don't see her body... Really, we see her like tied up, and that's definitely like salacious and supposed to be kind of titillating. But it it's not. When I compare it to other films of this time, it's like tame in the yeah. rape scene. Because like, after the rape scene, when she's like trying to get herself out, it's like her titty pops out. Yeah, yeah. And then she gets the razor with her tongue, and I was like, Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she wakes up right, and yeah. she um escapes again she frees herself by this there's this straight razor on the table and she like gets it with her tongue which i just kept i was like oh, oh, oh. yeah yeah <laughs> like her i was like her mouth is going to get cut up uh but she frees herself and 
these dudes don't notice that she's free because they're like singing a song. <laughs> they sing like all these really creepy misogynist songs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it shows like what creeps they are. They're supposed to be villains, of course. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, Foxy makes a weapon from a bunch of wire hangers <laughs> and attacks the dudes and burns the place down. <laughs> but I love that part. Yes, like, I love it's that like, too. Fuck yeah, like. Well, I talk about this a lot on this podcast, how like the sexual violence that happens to women in these films of this era, it almost, it, 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 it is the way it is, I think, in the writer and the director's mind because it has to justify the revenge that comes afterwards. Which I hate. Yes. And it's very... Oh, it's all kinds of things because it's like very cathartic also for me personally as the rape survivor. Like I'm like, yeah, burn the fucker down. Like me too. And me too. And I feel like back then with all the sexual violence that's been going on for years and years, some people might have felt that. But it's like I was saying in the beginning, I feel like, again, it's so one dimensional because she was already getting revenge for her boyfriend being killed, right? Then you're just making it worse because you're subjecting her to this. So it's like now she's even more angry and it's like we don't really get to know much else about her except for that she's angry and she's on this trail for vengeance. Yeah, she's on the (laughs) warpath. Yeah. So it's a good point. Definitely has to be paid attention to. So um, (laughs) Link Link is having sex with his girlfriend without a care in the world for Foxy or where she might be. (sighs) Bitch. And and Elias bursts in and there's so much. Now, like, now that we've seen these backwoods dudes, now, like, the the racism of of Mr. Elias and his crew is, like, totally amped up. And, like, they're just using the N-word freely now. Mm. um, Whereas before they weren't really... So that that makes me feel like, okay, this was supposed to show that these people are really exactly the same as these people. Yep. And Link is shot, and uh, his girlfriend's throat is slit, so she's not spared either. And Foxy, we see that Foxy is, so Link is dead. We see Foxy is with Oscar at the anti-slavery committee, and she's asking them for help and getting mm-hmm. revenge. And they don't want to help her. But Foxy delivers a very impassioned speech. And they say that this sounds like revenge, not justice. And that's it out to me a lot. Yeah. What do you think is the difference between justice and revenge? That's a hard question. I don't know. But I that stood out to me because it was like, how is it not justice? You know, like she and in my mind, I'm like, she was literally just raped by two white men, regardless of what she did. That was never called for. Not to mention they had killed a black man who was her man. So how is it just revenge and not justice? And I, I felt like and I could be thinking too deeply. It was like I was saying earlier, like black women's struggles were not centered in the black power movement. And, I mean, people disagree with me on this shit all the time, but, like, if you—all you have to do is watch that documentary that came out on PBS with the Black Panthers. It's not very talked about, but the women do mention it, and they were there. So you can't say that it's not—a lot of them were misogynistic. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that was a typical response. 
And I hate to say that, but like it was. And I felt like Oscar, though, I think he was defending her. Yeah. He was the only one who was like supporting her a little bit in what she was saying. He was supporting her. I mean, he's also kind of like touching her a lot. So you can see. You that can he, tell he was definitely yeah, into her. Yeah, he has like <laughs> designs on her. And he's not defending her as much as I would want him to. Right. For sure. Uh, but I think that this is a really important scene because I, it is accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shows what would the, the intercommunity discussions that were happening at the time. Yeah. And she delivers this amazing speech to them and they change their mind. And that just it can't have been unintentional. Like it has to have been something that was drawn from somebody's real life experience. Um and I, ju- but the ju- difference between justice and revenge, like I don't know, man. Don't know. Like I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Like I don't. Oof. But I thought that was interesting too, because as Black people, justice, like we don't get just. You know what I mean? I feel like the justice from who, mm. where? I mean, at this time, we're going to be the ones executing justice. So who are you to tell me that what I'm asking you for is? Not justice. Yeah. Like, you're just saying it's revenge because it's just me and it's a, it's my personal, like, these are my folks. Like, it's right. my personal experience. And what does, it, like, I'm from your community. And I don't remember specifically what she says. I think she says that could have been your brother or something, something like that. But she, she personalizes it so they can understand. Yes. And it's like, why the fuck should I have to do that if well, you are the has, neighborhood committee? Right. She has to bring up Dalton <laughs> to mm-hmm. get them to sympathize yeah. with her, which is very telling. And you're right. Like, why? She's part of their community. Like, right. why aren't they, why don't they want to help her? Um... Foxy is, this is so great, she's in a bar, and she's approached by the great actor Sid Hogg, Mm -hmm. um, who's in a lot of Rob Zombie films, and he's this pilot, so he's going to... He's going to be the one. Yeah, he's going to be the one who's like dropping the drugs off at this. He works with the with Mr. Elias and their organization. And he's like talking it up at the at the bar. And he approaches Foxy and she plays ignorant. And she there's like a lot of code switching that happens here. Like she's putting on this act for him of being this like naive black woman. And she's using slang and vernacular that she hasn't used before in the movie. And that I thought that was also a really smart decision because this is showing that she has to play to his ignorance to to get the the justice that she deserves. And I thought this actor was somebody else. That's why I'm like, I thought that was, I'm not going to tell you. I'm so embarrassed. No, (laughs) it's okay. I thought the pilot was Tommy Chong. No, 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 no. It's Sid. Uh, but I could see how you would think that. Yeah, it's Sid. I've, I'm Oof. probably. It's Sid Hag. Yeah. Um. So, Catherine is uh, scared of Foxy. She's talking about how she's scared of Foxy. Like, ha ha. <laughs> uh, so Foxy. This that was. That's a cut to that. And then we go back, and Foxy is in the plane, and she's acting drunk. But I, I I'm sorry. I love his character, though. Oh, he's great. I mean, he, <laughs> Sid Hogg is a great actor, mm-hmm. and he's so funny in this movie too. Yeah. Um, so there's so much 
racialized sexual sexualization of Foxy's body also. Like mm-hmm. Sid is like calling her like chocolate and like Typical though. Yeah. Like, all, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, really typical and accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, again. Foxy and the anti slavery committee sabotage this deal. So she makes him have to land the plane because she's like, let's go in the back. And he's yeah, like, all right, yeah, let yeah. me land. So <laughs> so they, uh, he's like, where have you been all my life? Mm-hmm. So they land the plane and he gets out to like, you know, talk to Mr. Elias yeah. or whatever. And the anti-slavery committee is driving up and they get stopped by this guy and they also are like code switching mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, miss. Yeah, exactly. They're like putting on this this voice, mm-hmm. and but then they jump him. I love that. Part. I love. That. I fucking they, love it. Yeah. When they all come out with the guns and they take the cops' guns. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So they basically sabotage the entire operation. Mm-hmm. Foxy drives the plane into a bunch of guys <laughs> and kills them all. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and. They they apprehend Mr. Elias and they cut off his dick. <laughs> I okay, so I fucking love that part. And I don't like when I was watching, I was so satisfied because he's not from what I remember. I don't think he's actually dead. No, he's not. They just took off his they dick. just cut off his dick. And it's great. And it's also like a subversion of white violence against that's black why people. I loved it yeah. so it's really much. smart actually because it's like as we know like gangs of white people would attack black men and castrate them yes and kill them yes so it's this really amazing subversion of that and this justice <laughs> and like some of the choices in this film I want to know who is behind it I know I don't like it can't have just been Jack Hill uh, no he's not I'm not going to give him that much credit yeah exactly <laughs> like he needed to have consulted with people yeah. to write this movie like I need to look into it more but and if you are one of my patrons on my Patreon you'll get it in a newsletter <laughs> 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 the research I've done on this and it yeah it's, I loved that I'm like good cut it off <laughs> like bye um, so they cut off his dick and Foxy breaks into Catherine's house and Catherine's lets lets Catherine thinks she's kind of one because she lets the mm-hmm. goons like feel her up. Yeah, oh, so gross. Yes, yeah, yes. But the, you could make it's there's like some problematic elements because on the one hand, Foxy seems to be unaffected by all of the sexual violence that she's experiencing, and this is something that is a stereotype or like a I don't want to say stereotype it's so much deeper than that like a gross cultural myth about black women that they just don't feel as much and they're like strong and I that bothers me that she doesn't have any kind of that they did that to her that she that she seems to not be affected by the sexual violence that she experiences at the same time I do I love how like calm and collected she is in like She's on this fucking mission and she's going to get it accomplished and like fuck these people. But that's how I when I I think about that, too, because also as a as a black femme, whatever, um, and a rape survivor myself, like sometimes I feel like you 
I, my body's been sexualized since childhood, right? Which is common for a lot of black girls. And I would even say black boys. I think black children in general, I think black people, because of the way we think of black men and black women, are sexual, especially black women. So it's like, I get it, especially because she was just brutally raped, right? You know, it's like, I'm like you're saying, I'm going to get this shit done. But it's again, like, she's just this one character, like this one dimensional fucking character that we only get to see the feelings of. We get to see her sad for a little bit, but it's mostly her just on a fucking mission to get revenge or just justice, whichever way we want to categorize it, that it's just really, really unfortunate. Yeah. It's, you know, we have to look at all sides of it. And, like, yeah. however satisfying it might be, it's it's important to still look at the the historical context Absolutely. of everything that's that's happening here and that doesn't take away from our enjoyment of it no. like it, to me it just adds to it like it adds knowing the history and knowing what i'm watching uh it adds to my enjoyment of anything uh i don't like to be a you know i don't like to look at anything in a vacuum like right. i like to know where everything comes from so she lets Catherine think she's won <laughs> And they they go through her bag, and in her bag <laughs> is a jar. Is it a pickle? Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's like, is it a pickle? <laughs> is a jar with Eliza's dick in it. <laughs> and Foxy, <laughs> she looks like, she's like, well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right. And, and uh Catherine screams and Foxy shoots her goons. Yes. And uh but she doesn't kill Catherine because she oh, wants her to suffer. God. And she's like, Your man is out there, dickless. Go find each other. Like And when she said that, it made me feel like, yeah, don't kill that bitch. Let her suffer. Yeah, like- totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's satisfying. And then we see her and Oscar in a car and they drive away. And that's the end of Foxy Brown. Woo! What a great fucking movie. Yeah, really. I mean, just one of the best. <laughs> and <laughs> I, do you have any final thoughts? Like, do you feel like her and Oscar end up together? Like, what What do you feel at the end? Um, I don't think they end up together, honestly. Like, she was never really interested in him. He was mostly interested in her. Um, but I see Foxy just going back to her life. But yeah. You know, maybe now she's... I mean, we never know what her career is. I'm assuming, because this is supposed to be a sequel to Coffee, like maybe she's a nurse. I don't fucking know. Mm. But, you know, she goes back to her life, and it's just maybe she's with the Neighborhood Anti-Slavery Committee. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I... I just... Yeah, this movie's just so, like, important. And it's... It's so complex. Like, there's so much more going on here. People, you know, write these kinds of movies off as, like, these 70s, like, corny movies. And, like, even the podcast I was telling you about before was saying, like, the acting is bad. Like, the acting is 70s. I don't agree with that. I think the acting is really good. <laughs> it is. I think it's yeah. really good, too. Yeah. I think that the 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 white villains are excellent. Yes. Like, I think they were yes. all really good <laughs> at, at playing those parts. Like, Catherine makes us hate her. That actress actually, oh, my God, I'm blanking on her name. But she's in a bunch of other exploitation films as well. She, like, plays a witch in one film. She's good at being evil. And 
Pam Greer obviously is excellent. Anthony Farkas. And yeah, I think it's like a subversive movie. And I think it's like a genuinely good movie. I don't think it's just like some corny no, 70s thing. No. I think it's like genuinely one of the best movies. Yeah, I think um, black exploitation films in general, especially Foxy Brown, um, need to be revisited, especially in the time we're living in now. Um, mm-hmm. We could definitely benefit because the reality is, is we're not getting movies like this. Like we're not. Yeah, we're talking about racism and shit, but we're talking about it from a very like sad and like you were saying trauma porn perspective. And just because we were talking about losing the legacy, there's this app streaming service called Brown Sugar that has oh, yeah. a shit ton of black. That's where I watched it. Me too. Yeah. Please just I like just like I pay for Shutter, I'm going to pay for this yeah. because I think it's really, really important. I mean, the way we value Boys in the Hood and um, Menace to Society, I feel like these movies need to be valued just as much because look at everything we talked about. We have black people standing up to the police, taking their guns and cutting off white men's dicks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Things that we're not really talking about right now and like the time we're living in that could be very like healing to see yeah and also very empowering just like it probably was during the time period yeah and it's i will forever love complicated movies that are not like oscar bait and that (laughs) exists yeah Oh my god like fucking green book like i'm tired i feel bad because i I just I have a such a love for Mahershala Ali. Oh yeah, he's excellent. Like, but when I found out about what was actually going on behind that movie, I was like, "Well, fuck that movie!" Like, yeah. how disappointing. Yeah, and like, it's you know, yeah, it's complicated because it's on the one hand, like we need like a, a diverse array of representations of people. I think that's really the crux of the issue is like yeah. when you only have one kind of representation, that's when it becomes a problem. And at this point in history, this was the only representation. But have we even had another movie come out like Poxy Brown? Like when was the last time that you, I mean, what was that movie that Taraji Henson, Henson just did Proud Mary. Proud. I didn't see it. Did you see it? I did not. Okay. Yeah, my mom loves it. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, but she like is obsessed with Taraji P Henson uh, and will like I watch anything her. that she's in. But I, I don't think we've had anything. Well, we had that Quentin Tarantino movie, right? Okay, no, but like fuck him. Yeah, and you know I was oh I'm so, I was reading an article Jackie Brown right, which also has fuck Pam Greer him. in it. Yes. Yeah. I was reading something about him and no, not about him, about like um, how black exploitation has had a cultural impact. And one of the things they said is like Quentin Tarantino. And I think there were other non-black directors who were inspired by it. And I didn't like that. And I don't know why, but I just felt like I because when Quentin Tarantino does, it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to uplift us like this no, was. No, yeah, like Jack it Hill feels is, exploited. Right. Jack Hill is also a white man. <laughs> right. But the movie doesn't feel the same as Quentin no. Tarantino's. No, it does not. Do. It's Yeah, it's a very different feel to it. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, like this was a very specific time and place yeah. in history and to try to recreate it is misguided because at this point like it was what it was at the time that 
it, it was made. But the reins now need to be handed over to black people to tell their own stories. <laughs> yes. Like we don't need to keep perpetuating this white director black exploitation film thing. Right. Like it's not it's not serving us as a a culture anymore. So yeah, that's I mean I I also just don't like him. No, <laughs> so I think that, he just likes to say the n-word like that, all the time. Honestly, yeah, I think he likes to say the n-word. I think he likes to have women being raped and yeah. <sighs> it's I, you know, I enjoy some of his movies, some like them, I yeah. won't lie, but do I think he's like the be all end all no. and like the last authority on exploitation <laughs> film? No. I think that just like I love rape revenge films from the 70s, I still don't want men to be like making them now. No. Like I I I think that in, in the time has come for us to tell our own stories yeah. and um I'm I can be inspired by those things and um you know, like the movie Revenge. I don't know if you saw it's pretty brutal, but it's I loved and it, it was, was directed by a woman. It was directed by a woman. So good. And it was it was an amazing like extension and homage to seventies rape exploitation films while still adding more new things to the conversation. And I think that's really where we need to go with it. Like we had it. Now let's add to the conversation. We don't need to recreate it. Yeah. And I like, feel like it was definitely like body horror too. Like mm. she like mutilates her own body for survival in yes. a way um but i don't know if you saw we're going off topic but <laughs> mfa no i didn't but you told me to watch it oh, yeah it's in my list like yeah. as a rape sur- and i i'm i like that you say this because i'm also a rape survivor and i find it healing to watch um rape revenge movies even someone who suffered from recurrent pregnancy loss there's something about watching horror movies or like cult movies with women like taking over or just you know I don't know how to describe it but it's healing to me it is I don't know why that and that's why Foxy Brown is healing yeah because it's cathartic like you feel it's like a purging of those feelings and it it makes you feel like okay I don't have to be this like quiet receptive perfect survivor like I can be messy and mad and angry and like get fucking revenge and that's, you know, part of why I will always be drawn to these films and why I want them to continue. I just want them to now evolve. Yeah, maybe that's our next thing to do. Like, maybe we'll have a rape revenge film with a black woman. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, have you seen Descent with Rosario Dawson? No. <gasps> I did see that movie. It was it was on Netflix, I think, years ago. And I don't know why they took that shit off. It was so fucking good. It's really, it's hard, but it's, it's, it's hard to watch, but it's a really good movie. Come back on the podcast and we'll talk about it. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh God, that movie is rough. Um, But I've never seen anything else like it. (laughs) Written and directed by a white woman. Um, But it's it's a good movie. It is a good good fucking movie. I'm sorry. I got it. Hats off. It's it's good. (laughs) (laughs) So this was so great. Thank you so much for coming. Thank um, you for having me. I feel like a celebrity. You are a celebrity. In my eyes, you're a celebrity. <laughs> um, I feel really lucky to have you and really lucky to have your thoughts and your contributions. I just thank you so much for coming. Mm. And where can people find you on social media if you want them to? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's please do not. So it's P-L-Z do not underscore. Amazing. 
<laughs> you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsgutsjalo. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter as girlsgutsjalo. Not and, just girlsgutsjalo. You can also email me at girlsgutsjalo at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Annie Rose Mahomet, and this is Girls Guts and Jalo.